Welcome everybody online, wherever you're joining us from. Thanks for being a part uh, today. And uh, we hope that you uh, can join us uh, for the series that's coming up as well. Uh, it's very, very important. And, and all of you that are online, we're, we're hoping that you will start your own group, maybe grab two or three more people and uh, start a little mini, mini church there in your home or wherever you watch. And um, today uh, we're going to finish our series on work. And I, boy, I could do it for a long time. Uh, if, when you start to dig in, there's so much to say. But let me just sort of talk about how to find happiness in your work. And um, here's what I'm going to talk about today. Um, work hard. Work hard. One, two, three, work hard. Be humble. One, two, three, be. All right. And third, be happy. One, two, three, be. Okay, ready? Work be all right and be all right so here's the thing um this is this for just a couple minutes of old school this is just old school all right so if you're young and hip this is just not good all right this is just work hard just just work hard just go get a job this is just a job you don't like a job this is just old school put food on the table do what it takes just get a job. Just go work hard. Jesus did. Now, let me caveat for a minute. I understand there's people that are you're, you're, you're incredibly sick or you've had unbelievable difficulties. And, all right, and I know there are exceptions. Uh, you've already worked for 50 years and you're trying to take I get all of that. But listen very carefully. If, if I can just find a little crack in your armor. It's so important to work. It's so important to work. It's vital that you have purpose every day when you get up. Even if you don't think your work is that purposeful. Some people get up and they go, you know, my work isn't that meaningful or whatever. No, the fact that you've got your shoulder into the plow, that you're bringing bread to the table, that you're contributing to society, that you're helping meet a need for a company or a customer or an individual... It does something good for us, for our own soul, to have something to contribute to. The opposite, the opposite is not working, not contributing, um, not doing. And this is detrimental not only to society, but it's detrimental to us as human beings. Let me just show you... um, a couple of scripture that I think where, where Paul was trying to get this idea through. And he makes a pretty, you know, I guess sometimes extreme statement or seemingly extreme um, to try to drive this point home. And what Paul says is, you know, if, if you didn't contribute to the needs or provide for the needs of your family, um, it's, it's kind of worse than... It, and you profess this faith, but you don't just take care of the basic needs. It's better that you didn't have the faith. It's better that you didn't profess the faith. You're worse, he says, to be a person that professes faith and trust in God. And you don't do the basic things of going and providing for your family. So if you're not going to provide for your family, if you're not just going to... And this is not talk. We've had these talks about you know, finding the right job and finding the right fit. And how many of you have ever had a job that wasn't the right 
fit or fun or anything, but you just had to do it to do it. Put, uh, I got all kinds of it, right? I have, um, I have, you have done all kinds of jobs that didn't feel like they fit your sweet spot, that weren't unbelievably fulfilling, but you did them for the simple reason that you had to take care of some very basic needs. You had to provide for yourself, for others. This is a good thing. Okay, ready? A little bit. Don't throw anything at me. We, We probably need to do a slightly better job, okay, don't throw anything, at helping our young generation get a hold of this idea. We love them. We care for them. Just settle down. All right. And we want the best for them. We provide for them. But if we don't teach them the value of work, work, where you just go out and you dig a ditch or you, 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 you drive a truck or you, you, you program a computer or you do something where someone is over you telling you to do it and you don't want to do it. You don't want to do it. But you have to understand the value of work and how it's correlated to a dollar bill or some other kind of thing. Because if you don't, you can tell them, go study this, go study that. Go. But if they can't correlate what a dollar is to what work is, we've done them a gross disservice. They can't court if they've never had to work and earn a dollar, and then when they go out to spend a dollar, is anybody close to what I'm saying here? They can't correlate the two. And is it their fault? We go, I don't know what's wrong with these kids. I don't know what's wrong with them. I just don't understand how they could think they could spend that much money and they could and but we've never taught them. We've never said, you know, here's here's an hour's work, here's what I'll pay you to do that for one hour. Now, I'm not trying to tell anyone how to parent here. I have no clue how to parent, all right? But let me just throw a couple things out from my dad with me, all right? And he did some things great, and he probably did some things terrible, right? But here's one thing that I remember all the time. He was always going to teach us how to work, and he was going to correlate it to money and a bank account. And I know this is a little bit old school, so just bear with me because I know I'm not young and hip anymore, but just look... If, we were, if he was working, he would bring us in there. He would, we'd cut wire. He had these big, giant spools. And we would, we would pull them. He had this big machine. You'd cut certain links. And that was your job, just cut the links. But then he would say, now go out to the front and sell these spools at the street, right? Just sell them. You put signs out there. And so you had to learn how to work in his factory, quote, and then you had to go outside and learn how to do sales and t- sell these things. Well, what are they for? Well, they make great tables. They're speaker stands. I mean, wh- who wouldn't want a cardboard spool for a speaker stand, right? I mean, all these kinds of things you would, and we did. And here's, here's my point. If you stay out of the game, out of the game and the environment of work, as difficult as it can be, you're taking something away from the vital, if I use the word, education of a young person. Over, I, I just couldn't even list all of the scriptures. Do yourself a solid one time and read through the book of Proverbs. But it just goes over and over and over and over and over again about the value of work. Like Proverbs where it says, all hard work leads uh, to a profit, brings a profit. All right? 
All hard work. But mere talk leads to what? Poverty. So working hard. Now, Proverbs, as we've taught before, are these general, general uh, uh, statements. They're, they're, you can find exceptions because everyone can say, you know, I worked my rear end off for two years on a certain thing and I didn't make any money. There's always little exceptions. But the general way things work are if you work hard, there will be some payoff. There will be some reward as opposed to not working or if you get the contrast in this one, just talking about it. I'm getting ready to do this. I'm thinking about doing this. I'm talking about doing this. How many know the difference between talk and actually doing it, actually getting in there? And it goes on. There's Proverbs about chasing fantasies. All right? What's, are you ready? What's the difference between a dream and a fantasy? That's a kicker, isn't it? It's usually your dad. You know what I mean? But here's the thing. You want your kids, right, or your mom, you want your kids to chase their dreams, don't you? I mean, there's something inside of you, and then you kind of, at a certain point, you say, but I'd also like for you to get a job. Now, this is important. Go, if you don't want to take it from Scripture, take it from Shark Tank, right? Take it from Mark Cuban or something, where he'll say, yeah, follow your dreams, but go get a job. Go do whatever it takes to get that dream to happen while you're doing it. If you believe in it so much. In other words, you can't forsake this simple idea of raw and solid hard work. And it says in Scripture, like, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Paul's trying to get this idea in there that even if you have a job that you don't like, you get in there and you do it with all of your heart as you're working for God, not for others. Be useful, it says in Ephesians, useful with your hands. So over and over and over again, you get this idea that if you work hard, some good things are going to happen. Not only that will happen for you, but they'll happen. This is so important. Not everybody gets this. Sometimes if you, if you kind of drill this at the home or preach this hard enough, they'll get, all right, if I work hard, good things will happen to me. I think that's an important thing, but I think we undersell this part. If I work hard, good things might happen in me. In me. Sometimes you work really, really hard and not a lot happens. You work really, really hard and you get the no or you get turned down another path. That's all part of the experience. But not working hard is really detrimental to you as an individual and to your family and to the greater society. We've not helped people. We've not helped people when we've asked them to not work. If I could share a couple of anecdotes, several times, we do this all the time at at the church. We'll do a camp. We'll do some trip that is a little bit expensive. And so we have people of varying economic backgrounds. And if you've been here long enough, you know, we're very sensitive to that. We, hey, you know what? If you, if you can't afford camp, we'll try to provide a scholarship for you. And then we'll say this. What could you do to help us provide the scholarship? Right? Teenage kid with nothing to do. And then the, you, sometimes you get the answer, Nothing. Like, well, if we put a couple of jobs together around the church, just some paint or something like that, I can't do anything. "Mm." We can't find the scholarships. We just can't find the file where the scholarships are. In other words, 
If uh, Scripture says if a man will not work, he should not what? Eat. I'm not talking about a kid that's working nine to five and in school on top of it. No, I'm just talking about there needs to be. Uh, is anybody with me? No, you want, you don't want to. There needs to be a correlation. I am willing to do something, and it does some. Why? Because it, this is why. Because I've done. Because I've been around the block, right? I used to be a youth pastor. We give scholarships. Oh, I feel bad for this kid. Give him a scholarship, right? Pay the whole thing. We want you to come to this event. Of this. They walk up to the snack shop with, with a wad like this. The snack shop. They're peeling off fives, tens, twenties. I ain't got that kind of money. You know what I mean? I'm stealing things out of the snack shack. I, I, I've seen it. but my, I'm not, I'm not going to pay the thing, but I'm going to give my kid $80 to go to Cedar Point so that they have every snack known to man. Friends, listen to me. I know this is old school. I already told you that. Hard work. Work hard. Be willing to use the sweat of your brow. Be willing to do this. Don't buy into the culture and don't let your kids, please, don't let your kids buy into the culture that I don't have to work and earn what I get in life. This is loaded all throughout the book of Proverbs and, and the New Testament for that matter. And as I said, as I started the series, Jesus had a job. He had a job where he worked with his hands. He built things with his hands. Not written about 30 years of his life. The only part you know about are the three that he traveled around and talked to people. He had a job. And we've underdone this thing and to a point now where kids get into the work, but they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. Last thing. I'm not promoting child labor or anything like that, but I just say this. It doesn't hurt to just weave a few things in when they're young. I don't think you should pay your kids to help around the house per se, but maybe you give them a little extra chore so they can correlate. You know, if I do this, then this is what, how many dollars I would get. The disservice that it does to a young person when they have no idea. By the time I got to college, I wasn't going to be able to finish school because there wasn't enough money. So I show up to the school, they have the job thing there. And I had a few, I'll call them trinket jobs. Anybody have a trinket job? It's like so I could tell the family at home I had one, but I didn't really. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like refereeing basketball, that was one of my jobs in school. That's not a job. You know, you get $8 if you referee a game, and I have a job, right? It's not a job. It doesn't, doesn't pay anything. So I had to go get a real job my second year in school. And I go down there, and it, they aren't paying much, and I... I'm looking over the thing, and there's a job that really doesn't look good, but it's going to pay some bills. Working for a funeral home, picking up dead bodies in the middle of the night. Not a job anybody normal runs to. Not a job anybody really wants, to be honest with you. Found out, I talked to a friend of mine into doing it with me so we could share. You live in the funeral home, so you, you're... you're uh, Rooming is covered. It took my college bill severely down just being able to do that. It was terrible. They had, they had mice in it living up. It was bad. It was bad. And um, it, you, you had to make a decision. There, there, wasn't a, there, wasn't a, there wasn't a plan B. There wasn't a, it was like, if I want to finish this, this is what I'm going to have to do. Those decisions 
are good for kids. I know this is so unpopular. Um, but we so want to take care of them that sometimes we do a disservice to them by doing every single thing for them. Um, getting up in the middle of the night, I mean, if you've ever picked up a dead body in the middle of the night, it will make you so grateful for every other job you ever have in your life. It will help your perspective. And the idea that we're not helping people to work hard is a, is a massive disservice to them on the inside. Not just that they can get money, because what they need to do is to learn the thing. And then they, they can figure out how to make the money as time goes on. they got to learn the thing here. Second thing I would say is this. Be humble. Um, once you learn how to work hard, and then you combine it with working well or working smart, you can make some money. You can. I mean, you could, if, you, if you're not spending it all, if you're not wasting it all away, you can start to save. And if you're really smart, you don't buy a bunch of things when you're young. You just put it away in the bank and you, you, you start to save and you, things start to change. And you can start to do well. And once you start to do well, um, you can climb the ladder, you get promotions, you start to manage other people, own your own business, do all these things. So it's kind of like you come through those hard lessons and then you come to a certain point of blessing or prosperity or position or power. And then in those times, you're tempted to be arrogant. All of us. You're tempted to think, aren't I the stuff? Look how hard I worked. No doubt you did work hard. There's no doubt there's a correlation and a combination that you did. But in those moments, you need to be humble and say, you know what? I did, I did contribute. I did work hard. But all of this is ultimately not traced from me, but traced from what? God. The giver of every good and perfect gift. The giver of life itself. The giver of your brains and your body. The giver of your, 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 your land of opportunity that you got to live in a place where you could have the freedom to choose. You, you, you have an opportunity to be arrogant or you have the opportunity to be humble. Deuteronomy in chapter 8 it talks about God says when I take you out of the land of slavery and I bring you into this new and this good land he says you know be careful not to be proud and arrogant. He says otherwise when you're satisfied and you have these fine homes and you're, 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 things are settling down and you have flocks and herds and that's modern day bank accounts and 401ks and all that. That's what all of that is. He says, your heart could become proud, right? And you will forget that it was God that brought you here in the first place. So I don't know if you can understand what I'm saying today, but there are two sides of the same coin. 
while you have to teach hard work and the importance of it, at the same time, you have to teach the importance of, yes, you worked hard to get here, but it was ultimately God that got you here, that he gave you the ability and the opportunity to make all of this happen. You pause. Maybe you pray. Maybe you teach your children lessons. Help them understand how far God has brought us. I know kids aren't into the, we didn't have it that way when I was a kid speech that much. Am I, anybody with me? But how many know you got it from your parents anyway? How many know that even if they aren't listening, you need to tell them anyway? You need to take them on a drive and show them where grandpa's farm was, or you need to show them where you grew up. You need to te- you say, oh, their eyes are rolled back. Doesn't matter. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. Why? Why? Because you remember them, don't you? How many remember those talks and those speeches? You remember them. Even you, they're not listening. Yes, they are. You keep teaching them. How, this is how God's blessed us. This is what God's done for us. This is, this is what it means to, to be fortunate to live in this country. You travel to another country. Maybe you're fortunate to go to a place where they have a really ritzy resort in a third world country. Many of you have done this. Huh? And you take them for a drive 20 minutes outside of the resort and show them the extreme poverty. Five minutes outside the resort. And you say, you know, you could have grown up in this village. Aren't you blessed? It makes you humble. It makes you realize that, you know what? I could be working my tail off like some kid on a beach in Mexico and working, working, working day and night and still never have the privilege or the blessing that I have now. Perspective is huge. Jesus taught this. Um, Matthew 20, Jesus... uh, is telling his followers about when you get into a position of authority or power or wealth, what you do with it is so important. So he says, you know how the, the system is, the world works, or the Gentiles rule? They lord it over others. In other words, the way that the world worked at that time is if you had position and you had power or you had money, you just told people what to do because of your position or your power. But what Jesus was trying to teach was an upside-down kind of living. That when you have position and when you have power, you use that to serve others, not so that more people can continue to serve you. This was revolutionary. Today, it's all a part of business leadership. If you read business management books, it's called servant leadership. Anybody? Read? Heard? Awake? It's all a part of... But this was when Jesus taught it, it was revolutionary. What do you mean? I should look out for those people below me. This was a brand new concept that Jesus taught servant leadership. You've been brought to that position, not so they can do more and more stuff for you, but so that you can do more and more stuff for them. Whoever wants to be great, he said, be the servant. The last will be first. The first will be last. In other words, it's just simply this. Humility is not walking around thinking you're nobody, you're nothing, or you're no good. Humility is realizing where you came from and how you got here. It's not forgetting 
That it's God that blessed you. It's God that brought you here. Last thing I'd like to say about work is this. Be happy. Everybody look up here and smile. Huh? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many have a job you really don't like? You know what I mean? How many have a job that really frustrates you? Sometimes work is not always easy. It's not always fun. And I'm all for, just for the record, I am all for finding your way in life and moving towards your sweet spot and finding the best job possible that fits you. I'm all for that. Um, But this is really key. Your attitude or your mindset or the way you think about your work is so unbelievably important. A couple of reasons why. First, there are no perfect jobs. Huh? Anybody ever jumped the fence for greener grass and found out that it was spray painted? <laughs> Anybody? Like, man, like, this isn't what you were selling me. Anybody? You've done it. Some of you have done it. Like, man, did I make a mess? How can I get back over that fence? It's not always greener over there. And, and so this is, really, this is really key. Your attitude, the way that you, you approach it and the way that you look at it, if you're always looking, always looking, you're going to miss something about being happy right where you are. I want to do a scripture that I think help, will sort of help wrap this together. It's from um, Ecclesiastes, second chapter, and... Here's a guy that's struggling with meaning in life, and he's, he, it's definitely a downer type of a, of a book. He, talks, he keeps saying everything's meaningless and meaningless. And in Ecclesiastes 2, this is what he starts, he starts asking himself. You ever ask yourself questions about wh- what's going on and where this is headed? This is what he says. Um, what do people get for all the toil and the anxious striving for which they labor under the sun. And there's, what do you actually get from it all? He says, all their days, their work is grief and pain. And how many relate to this one? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on a second. All right. Uh, there we go. We've got to read it. Uh, Even at night, their minds do not rest. Can anybody identify with this one? It's your job, and you're still thinking about it. You're still worrying about it. It's still bugging you late at night. Anybody? How many of you are checking your email at 11 o'clock at night? Okay. So here we go. He says, a person can do nothing better than eat, drink, and find satisfaction in their work. In other words, here's what I think he's saying here. All you can do sometimes is enjoy what you have anyway. It's a, it's a state of mind where you're not going to take, you say, I'm going to go, I'm going to keep finding the better thing. Sometimes you just have to make up your mind that you're going to enjoy where you are anyway. Why? Whether this is work or your neighborhood or relationships or any other thing, if you always have a mindset that if I only had this, if I only lived there, if I only drove this, if I only, then I would be happy. When are you going to be happy? Never. Never. You have to just make a decision at some point. I am so grateful. I am so happy. I'm going to enjoy this day. I'm going to, I'm going to find some way to enjoy the traffic. I'm going to, get, I'm going to, I'm going to start. Hey, 
I'm going to start, I'm going to get coffee and a donut. I'm going to get it early. I'm going to relax. I'm going to get an iPod. I'm going to podcast. I'm going to find some, anybody with me? It's your choice. Why, if you know, okay, if you have a horrible commute, let me just do this for a minute. Anybody? Horrible commute. It's just brutal, right? And you, you decide, I'm going to complain about this all the way there. And I'm going to complain all the way home. And I'm going to complain more when they fix the roads that I've been complaining about that are broken. Are you with me? And, and what do we do? We're like, all of a sudden, we're all engineers. We know how to fix the roads better than everyone else. And why do they stop this lane? And look, look, just give it up. Just put it all, just say, you know what? Am I fortunate or what? Every once in a while, I, you know, I travel other third world countries. I come back. And you go to a third world country. If you can find your way to a store, they're usually not stores anything close to what we see. Little markets and things like that. Get what you can get. I still remember you come back and you go into Walmart. And like, I'm just looking for some kind of potato chip. Oh, well, what kind of potato chip? Just, you know, like potatoes that you slice up. Okay, yeah, but you can. Do you want sour cream ranch? Do you, do you want barbecue? Do you want French onion? Do you want sea salt? Because you can't do regular salt. Would you like sea salt and vinegar? <laughs> is, do, does anybody have a clue what I'm saying? When you start to have some perspective, you go, wait a minute. Let me think about my job differently. Let me approach my mindset with appreciation and gratitude. The commute isn't going away. It's just not. I mean, yeah, they're talking about these flying cars and all that. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you're going to get one. Maybe it's going to. Ha- maybe Jetsons is going to happen in our lifetime. Maybe not. But here, outside of that, it's not going anywhere. So, it, do you understand what I'm saying? People, I mean, you get on the road, they got their blood pressure. It's already worked up. It's like, it's like 8.30 in the morning and their veins are popping. I'm like, how do you do that, bro? You look like the Incredible Hulk. Shirt torn. You know what I mean? Let's just all oh, just get in the lane and get her done. What, what has to change? Here. If you decide every single day, you know what? It's, it's not perfect. But it's pretty good. I have a lot to be thankful for. It'll change your whole day. It'll change everything else about you. You know, it's not perfect, but I've been on some worse roads. If you've ever traveled, you have. You know what? It's not perfect, but you know what? I'm pretty fortunate. Here's what I think. How to be happy in work. Just work hard. Go get a job. Work hard. Just dive in. Second thing is be humble. Realize that whatever you have is a gift from God. And third is just choose to be happy. Just make it a choice. I could go on and on, but here's what I'd like to leave you with. Jesus had a job, but he had two jobs. He had the carpenter, masonry, whatever it was, construction job that he had all of his life. And then he had another job. And that was a job of saving the world. Think about the weight of that job. Think about that commute. 
Think about those roadblocks. Think about that irritation. Think about the betrayal. Think about all the stuff that went into that job. When he died on the cross, his words recorded, it is what? Finished. He worked well. He worked hard. He was humble. And he kept his perspective. Even at the very end, when he's betrayed and he's arrested and the whole thing's a sham, he has the opportunity to retaliate and to call down legions of angels. He says, but no. Not my will, but yours be done. This has to happen. He worked well. I think what we should do, instead of looking at work as this antagonistic war that we have to engage in, and I hear just too much language around it. And I, by the way, I think that, that our kids pick up on that. Other people pick up on that. I think we should wake up and go, I got a pretty sweet. I got pretty good. I have a good enough job that it takes me an hour to get there. It's not perfect. But there's a lot of people in our world that would love to drive an hour to be able to have that job. And let, us, let our perspective change. Sometimes do, do yourself a little bit of reading. Because I always wonder, what was the commute? If Jesus, I introduced this city way back in the beginning of the series. The city of Sephora. A few miles from Jerusalem. Or, or from Nazareth, sorry, where Jesus grew up. A few miles away. I wonder what his commute was like. didn't have a car. But do you know one thing that historians believe to be true? Perhaps, just I want you to think about this. Thousands and thousands of people were crucified by the Romans way before Jesus was crucified. Perhaps on his commute, Jesus had to walk by his fellow brothers and sisters, perhaps even relatives, Jews, that were crucified by the Romans. I don't know. Of course I'm speculating. But I think sometimes we just think Jesus woke up in the morning, did a little clap, and he was like bewitched, or whatever that gal, and she just ended up where he needed to be. And I think we've completely missed what it meant to be Jesus of Nazareth. I know life can be hard. I, I couldn't imagine some of your struggles, and I'm trying to compare mine to yours or yours to mine. But I think if we made an attitude to say, you know what? God, I thank you every single day for what I have. The gratitude, if we start our day, not just with coffee, but with gratitude. Huh? Two lumps of gratitude in your coffee would be a game changer for us.